You may be seated. It is good to have all of you in the house of the Lord, and I am thankful for what the Lord has done for all of us and me, and I know we are living in an hour in which there are a lot of individuals that are um, alarming, uh, you know, uh, feeling um, the pressure, uh, talking about the war that's going on in Ukraine and then in Israel and then as you continue to recognize the threat from China and, and uh, you know, I, I get almost amazed at those that almost have an apocalyptic view and they are um, not necessarily coming from a theological standpoint or looking at the Bible, but they are coming from a sense of um, this is the hour that we're living. And of course, uh, as Brother David, I think, mentioned, a sense of fear and a sense of trepidation. And I, I am not um, trying, I, I don't want you to hear um, that in my voice or tone, but I am thankful that the Lord has seen fit to allow us to be the generation that all of this would come against. And you say, well, pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying I, I think that we have, um, I think we're going to have what it takes because there's going to be a church that's alive and remain. Amen at the coming of the Lord. And either we believe that or we don't. And I do believe it. I believe it wholeheartedly. And I appreciate all of our young people. I appreciate all of those that are trying to live for God in this hour and trying to do their best. I know we seems like we have a lot to pray for. That Sister Joanne had sent me a prayer request that Brother Chuck Bruce has surgery this week, and so we want to remember him and others. But you know what? In this hour, I am glad that um, the Lord is, is uh, still on the throne. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. I know who holds the, owns the cattle on a thousand year, hills and uh, uh, has all of the, everything under control. I, I read a, an article out of, uh, you know, out of Israel the other day that talked about how last September uh, a Christian farmer from Texas brought five red heifers that were unblemished to Israel and they finally cleared uh, all of the protocols and they're there and they're in a pen there in Israel and they said as soon as they can get 10 red heifers they're going to start uh, sacrificing again and I don't know. I All I know whether true, not true all I know is the Lord could come back today he may be here before we get a chance to go vote on a cake. 
Now you say, oh, pastor, it couldn't happen. I, I believe that's how close we are living to the coming of the Lord. And I, I know, you know, when you see these signs, it should be to us uh, an indicator that look up. The Lord is coming again. So today I'm going to talk about uh, uh, we are growing apostolic legacy and I am going to talk about um, an important subject called <coughs> pleasing God. How many want to please God? Amen. The rest of us, we don't care. I'm a, I'll try it one more time. How many would like to please the Lord? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I, you know, uh, for all of you men that are married, how do you please your wife? Well, you got to listen to what she has to tell you. Huh? Hallelujah. got to, uh, take out the trash, vacuum the house when she's got one arm, one wing down. Uh, you got to do all kinds of wonderful things. And uh, I, I understand uh, we live in a society that is geared, and unfortunately for these young folks that are sitting up here in the front, we, we caution them about you know, being a people pleaser, if you will, because uh, there are a lot of voices that are in our ears and there's a lot of voices that are in, uh, whether it's our grade, our school, uh, whether it's on social media, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's one of the reasons why even, uh, you know, our government has tried to uh, spend an extra amount of energy and time trying to find out how do we police uh, the voices that come across our electronic devices? How do we ensure that they're not saying or doing things, uh, saying things that are uh, lies or incorrect and whatever, and then, you know, then it becomes, all right, well, then we, we want free speech and we want people to be able to, uh, you know, have a platform that they can say what they want, and there's that balancing act of part of our constitution is that we would, you know, give access of freedom of the press. And then the other part that says we have young people that may not be able to realize that they shouldn't try to jump off of the fifth milk carton and land backwards as they dunk their head in a bucket of water and get 10,000 TikTok views because it could cause brain damage. And you say, well, you know, pastor, they had to have brain damage to think that they could do it. Fair enough, but maybe they're just young and impressionable and maybe they really thought that, you know, when they were told that if we would do this, this would be what happens. And I, I, I read an article recently about 
you know, a lot of the money that's being trans, uh, uh, that's, that's being passed through to influencers, people that have large accounts, and they will say, we don't advertise, but we get an influencer to talk about vaping, or we get an influencer to talk about using a particular item or doing something, and, and all of a sudden, parents are outraged because their son or daughter, you know, tries that, and because they were watching something that had a million views, and they think that that person thinks it's cool, and, and then, you know, etc., etc., etc. And so we try to guide our children into making, you know, who are they going to listen to? And that's probably one of the uh, jobs of a parent. And I hope parents take it seriously and, and whether it's putting limits on their phone or, or periodically checking or somehow, you know, recognizing what, what voice is speaking into your life. And I know, you know, it used to be that we, uh, you know, the, the fear uh, many years ago, Malcolm Mulgaridge did uh, research on the impact of television and the impact of some of these things on society. And when they had a, a, a country and down in Fiji where they could not get television, there was no satellite in the southern hemisphere. And, and then when television came, they looked at the sociological aspect of uh, here was a culture that never had a juvenile in jail, never had juvenile uh, issues with regard to uh, uh, delinquency or missing school, and then boom, television came on, and then the, the two years after television shows, uh, all of a sudden uh, they had 726 incidents of juvenile delinquency and, and kids doing all kind of, and so they have proof that here was an island isolated that all of a sudden got the influence of all this information and then to, all of a sudden it threw their kids into a chaos and I realized, I realized are you going to out-preach me today or not? I can hear you. You're going after it, aren't you? <clears throat> so, uh, I realize the impact that all these things can have on kids. And I realize that the more we, you know, just turn and act like it doesn't matter, the more voices. But I, I guess what I want you to hear me say is that if there was ever a time we need to teach our children, they need to learn how to please God. Please God. It's not just please the pastor. It's not please the teacher. It's please God. What does God say about it? What does the word of God say about it? Because this is the one that's the ultimate judge. You can say, well, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm, it's going to be all right. I, I'm not worried about it. Well, <clears throat> the Lord, and, and in fact, there is a word in the Bible called Arasteo, and, and it, it actually goes a step above pleasing. It's well pleased. It's 
pleasing with, uh, you know, it means that you're really, when you talk about feeling uh, squish or whatever, uh, it, it's well-pleasing. And in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, which was probably written by Paul, probably to Hebrew priests, and he gives several admonitions to the priests. And if you ever want to read a, a powerful chapter about being well-pleasing to God, I will tell you this is a powerful chapter, and I I'm not going to read the entire chapter. That's your homework if you're going to figure out how to be well-pleasing to God. But it talks in there about brotherly love. It talks in there about entertaining strangers. It talks about remembering those that are in prison. It talks about how honorable marriage is. It talks about, it even has a verse in there that's amazing in this 13th chapter. It says, don't let covetousness come out of your mouth. That means you say, well, not in my heart. Well, I, I look at so-and-so and I'm not covetous, but he, here Paul said, don't even say, well, I wish I had, I wish I, I went. That's what Paul said. He says, you know, remember those that have the rule over you. And then another verse in that same chapter, he said, obey them that have the rule over you. Wow, I don't know about obeying. Now, Pastor, you're, you're drawn. You know, I know, you know, and, and I always love it when people say, I don't know if you're my pastor or not. And, and then I would like to say, well, do you obey? And if they say no, I say I'm not or whatever, but whatever, and I don't try to give that many directives, but they go, well, but you're a human. I got it, I understand. And I'm not infallible, and I, I'm here to tell you I'm not infallible, but what I will tell you is that the Lord's given gifts to the church, and we're supposed to try to honor what God's given, and God's able to remove them, yes. me included. Right. <laughs> but in this 15th verse, he uses this word erasteo, and actually he uses it two other times in Hebrews, and it's the only three times used in the Bible. But here's what it says. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such, he uses that word again, sacrifices, God is Aristeo, well pleased. When it's a sacrifice to praise God, when it's a sacrifice to be in the house of God, when it's a sacrifice to worship God, I know, I I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I understand. There's a lot of days I don't feel like it. You say, well, you're the pastor. You ought to feel like it all the time. There's a lot of day, times I don't necessarily feel like raising my hands and feel like, you know, oh, I feel. But you know, sometimes it's that very 
sacrifice of praise. Lord, I'm coming into your house. I'm going to clap. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do my best to praise and magnify the Lord because the Bible says with such sacrifices, God is well pleased to do good and to communicate. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about anything. But you know what? Sometimes it's important to do it because it pleases God. Now, the other two places that it's used in the book of Hebrews is found back in the 11th chapter because that was the, the last chapter of Hebrews, the 13th chapter. But in the 11th chapter, he uses it on a man that we have very little knowledge about. Even in Genesis, the fifth chapter, where the story takes place, it's about a man called Enoch or Enoch, however you want to pronounce it. And, this, and Enoch was, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. In the darkest time to be alive. The reason I say that is because when you study the, about Enoch, there's very few verses that we have to look at. But what one writer one time said was, you know, Enoch was walking with God and he walked with God and walked with God and he got closer and closer to God and finally one day God said, Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours. Come go with me. I heard that many years ago. I don't know what it was that was about that, but what I do know is that Enoch walked with God and he pleased God. Now, he is often given the dubious distinction of being a type of the church that's going to be raptured out because there were, he was alive during the time of Noah. And Noah found grace and Noah built an ark. And Noah went through the flood and Enoch missed the flood because he walked with God. And so a lot of people will write that Enoch or Enoch was this type of the church who's going to be lifted out of here and then the Jews are going to be like Noah and go through the flood. I know that's you know, theological and you believe it or not. And I, I'm not saying you have to believe it. But what it does say is that he pleased God. And then the writer puts the next verse. And do you know what it says about it? It says, but without faith, it is impossible to be pleasing to God. For he that cometh to God must Three things, believe that he exists, believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that kind of talk to him every once in a while. What's, what's the word? Diligently seek him. So this gives us a lot of insight on how to please God because if I am going to please God, I've got to walk with God. 
First of all, if I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to have to believe that he exists. And then I'm going to have to believe that he is a rewarder, that somehow all things are going to work together for good, that God's got a control of this. God's got, you know, he's got my back. He's going to, it's going to be all right. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I know who in whom I believed. I know I trust him. And then I'm going to have to be willing to diligently seek him. Now, most of us, that's where we say, ah, oh, well, you know, I found God. I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized, and those are good things. And I, I was able to, you know, go down in the watery grave of baptism. That's wonderful. But am I diligently seeking him daily? Am I taking the word? Am I following? Am I trying to follow what the Lord says? And you see, Enoch was living at a time when it, there was wickedness everywhere. According to Noah, every man's imagination was on evil. And yet Enoch walked with God and believed God. So what does it tell me? That I don't care what hour, what's going on in our world. If we want to say, all right, well, how do I have faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith without works is dead. I, I understand all of that. I'm not going to preach about faith. I'm going to preach about pleasing God. But the point of it all is, if there was ever a time for us to plug into the word of God and to say, Lord, I need to increase my faith whenever you hear all the voices going on around me, and all the things that are happening and, you know, all the worries about the economy and this and that. Somehow, God, give us a church that is full of faith that God is still able to do anything. God is still able to heal. God is still able to set free. God is still able. And you say, well, diligently seek him. I know. You know, we, we have prayer meetings and we have corporate prayer and we have a, a few th things that we try to do to encourage people to seek the Lord and we've had 40 days of fire and encourage people to fast and we give out little pamphlets and we, we there, there's one sitting right here and, you know here it is fast this week and do that trying to what are we trying to do oh that's just another first of the year oh, that's another program I'm trying to somehow get people to say, I want to diligently seek the Lord. Should it be, you know, I, I can tell you, I can't even count the number of years that our family took Wednesday as a fast day for years and years when before I came here and then after I was here and it was Wednesday to this day, you know, Wednesday comes, it just, we'd probably just wait till, you know, evening meal before we eat. It's just part of our fabric of our family. It was just part, my mom and dad, that's, you know, now, of course, you know, okay, take medicine so you eat a little breakfast. I get it. And then read the Bible in the morning, read the Bible in the evening. I know, we, you don't have to do all that. Y'all are all nuts. Oh, I, I want to please God. I, I don't want to stand before God and say, I had access to a Bible on my phone and my computer and I would rather listen to whatever news channel or listen to whatever, play whatever game whether it's Candy Crush or whatever than to spend five minutes reading the word, talking to God. Somehow there's a, a, a disconnect. I need to please God. 
You say, well, Pastor, are you sure? Absolutely. This is what increases my faith. This is what, you know, and Paul even told them in, in Romans, he says, and then we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. What? And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his own good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But it is written, now this next phrase will blow your mind. The reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on. You've heard me say it in here. You know, how do you please God when you see somebody and you go, oh man, they don't look like they're doing so good. I, I don't like what they're doing. Oh God, bless my sister, bless my brother. God, I pray right now you will strengthen them. I pray you will give them. Huh? Amen. What, Christ? The reproaches of them? So easy for me to go. We're studying Daniel on Monday night. And when you read in Daniel, the ninth chapter, you're going to see an amazing prayer of repentance and confession and begging God from a man who's gone through a lion's den, folks. He didn't have any reason to repent. Maybe it was that kind of praying that got him thrown in it. Because the, the enemy didn't like the fact of how he was praying. God, help us in this hour. We ought not to please. Well, I'm just really, I've got this. I, I'm not, I know, there's some that really need to come on Wednesday and Sunday. I, I'm okay. I don't need all of that. Bless your heart. Come and pray for me. Come and pray for Sister Alicia's dad's facing cancer treatment and everything else. Come and pray for somebody. Huh? I'm doing it not because of me. I'm doing it because I want to please him. And that's what Jesus did. Galatians says, for do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the... Wow. He says, if I seek to please men, guess what? I can't be the servant of Christ. And that's why we, you know, we, we, we tell our young folks about, you know, being a people pleaser is not good because if, you, if you're trying to do this for your classmates, to, they won't make fun of you or somebody won't pick at you or somebody won't call you a holy Joe or somebody won't make fun of what, how you are. Well, you're acting all that like you're Mr. Holy Roller. And I don't like to hear that. I didn't like to hear it when I was a kid. And yet, if, if I don't recognize that that's part of what it means to please, do I please men or do I please God? 
That's why the early church, whenever they were called in and they said, look, I don't care what you do, but you cannot preach or teach anymore in Jesus' name. And what was their response? Should we please? God, God, or man. And we know what the voice said when Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I am well. Please. He hadn't done any miracles. He, is not, he had done nothing yet. But he walked and he had the attitude of he had done his first submission. He submitted to baptism when he didn't need to be baptized. And he did it for one reason. So that when we go down in water, in Jesus' name, we can come up with his righteousness. He wasn't, he wasn't unholy. You can't convince me that Jesus needed to repent. You can't convince me that Jesus needed to say, I'm sorry, I lied last week. I talked to mom, dad. Huh? He didn't need to go through baptism, but he did it to fulfill all righteousness. Not his righteousness, but my righteousness. That's why when I go down in the water, when, when we baptized, we baptized Ella last week and Tegan this week will be baptizing tonight. When these children go down, I want them to know they're going down in a covenant name of Jesus. He went into water first. That's why when we go in and we're baptized in his name, what a privilege it is. He did that for me. He did it for me. It's not about, oh, well, I want to know what I, you know, I, I, what am I going to get out of it all you know what Jesus you say well Jesus you didn't need to repent you didn't need to go down and for repentance so you just got wet but you know what he said I'll go through it just so that one day you whenever you baptize Tegan you can baptize her in the name that is greater than any name because I went in the waters of baptism what a privilege 2,000 years later, I could be part of baptizing someone in the name of the man that went into the water. Amen. Wow. Go ahead, next slide. I'm, I'm not up there. Romans, the eighth chapter. He, 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 he says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There is nothing you can do in your flesh enough to merit what we feel from God. That's why it's important to get the Spirit flowing through you. That's what he was saying. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Do you always act like you're in the Spirit? No. Do I? No. But if so, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. And so, you know, you say, why do we encourage people to get the Holy Ghost? And why do we encourage them to let the Holy Ghost flow through them? And they speak in tongues in a heavenly language, not their own. Why? Because we know that they're going to be, they're going to need all the strength they can get to live for God and to please God in this hour. It is not an hour where you're going to immediately wake up in the morning and go, I want to please God. 
I'm going to wake up in the morning saying, I want to please myself. I don't like this. I want that. I don't want this. Huh? I don't feel like going to work today. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. I don't feel like, well, but that's what gives you money. I know, but I don't feel like going. And so I go kind of surly. And I go and I look around and I'm thinking, y'all are all just lucky that I showed up because I didn't feel like it today. (laughs) I worked a job. Y'all ain't the only ones. Huh? And who knows? That might have been the day when that Lord wanted me to witness to somebody. But I didn't get up and mortify the flesh. I did it because it was like, this is me, and this is not what I want to do. You know what? Sometimes it's not about what I want to do. It's about, Lord, thank you for a job. Thank you for giving me a way. Thank you, Lord, for opening the door. Let me today find somebody that I can tell what a beautiful life I have living for the God. I want to please him. You say, oh, well, uh, you know, when you read... What Solomon said when he knelt down and prayed, when the Lord asked him, what do you want, money? What do you want, Solomon? Do you remember what Solomon said? He remembered the prayer of his father. And he said, as my dad had said, give me wisdom that I can discern between good and bad. Just let me govern with wisdom. You know where he heard that? When you read before this example, David prayed that over his son every night. Lord, give Solomon wisdom. Give him wisdom. Lord, give him. You say, well, is it important, parents, that you pray over your children? I think it's vital. Just being honest with you. I don't care if it's nothing more than now I lay me down to sleep. Do something. Pray over them. Honey, we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to... Oh. Well, they're 12 teen now. They're 18 now. They're 23 now. I remember many years when we would have a prayer and then a blessing and we might be traveling somewhere my wife and I we very rarely both left when the kids were little but if we were as they got older we'd have a call home and inevitably one of them would say are you going to bless us tonight dad what are you doing I'm trying to instill in them you need to please God There's a blessing that comes from God. There's a blessing that comes from serving God and living for God. Oh, I I want them to, oh yeah, I want them to be successful and to have all wonderful things, but more than anything, I want them to be well done, thou good and faithful servant. No matter what they have here, it doesn't matter anything if they say that I did not please God in my life. Go ahead, next slide. I'm I'm trying to hurry. So it's that sense of not staying in the flesh. And and, and then it boils down to, well, what worries me? Because here's what he told Timothy. 
In 2 Timothy, and this is the book where Timothy was afraid and fear and he was worried and anxious. And, and if there was ever an hour that we ought to all be anxious and worried and stressed out, and you were here, you know, one party saying, you know, if, if this party gets in, we're in, you know, we're at the World War III, and then this party says, if that party stays in, we're in World War III, and prices and, you know, and everybody, man, it feels like we're going to be in World War III, and we're going to have problems, and we're going to have inflation, because everybody's saying it. You know what? Here's what he told Timothy who was battling some of this in this. You read it in the first chapter and then the second chapter. He said, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I understand. You can, you can, I, I, I don't care. You can build a bunker and you can have billions of guns and jillions of ammo and you can have generators and you can wear aluminum foil on your head so that when the Russians explode the satellite, the radiation won't get you. And I, I, whatever you feel like you need to do is okay with me. But let me just tell you, here's what he told Timothy. He says, be careful how much you let all of that dominate your thinking and you don't have time to please God who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What are you saying? I've been asked when the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost and baptized me and I got baptized in Jesus' name. He wanted me to be part of his army. One day he's coming back with an army. But right now, who's going to be in the army? Who's going to stand up and say, I want to be a witness. I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be there. Yes, sir. I'm going to be there saluting. I'm going I'm to be on call. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be watching in case he sends somebody my way. I can invite them to church. I can tell them what God's done for me. Who's going to be part of the soldier, the army of the Lord? Say, so, well, I don't in, I'm not into all of that. Here's what he says. He goes on in Hebrews. We read it earlier, but he says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, that's in your homework, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, everybody say perfect, perfect, in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. The God of peace, if there was ever an hour that the Lord wants his people to be full of the Prince of Peace, it's this hour because there is so much stress in the world. You say, oh, I'm just, this bothers me. Oh, God. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep, oh, Forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. 
peace, peace. What are you saying? If there was an ever an hour that the church ought to be full of the peace of God. Why? Because we know he's working on us. He's working on us to be well-pleasing. Oh, pastor, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have it. I don't know. I want the peace of God to keep working on me. Whatever is worrying me, I want the peace of God. And David understood here in Psalms, the 69th chapter, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullet that hath horns and hooves. Hooves. He said when you bring that sacrifice of praise, we read it earlier. Micah the prophet said in the Old Testament, what would it matter if I brought a thousand rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Will that please God? You say, well, I can't do enough. No, but I'm not going to stop doing all I can. I know, I know I can't praise him enough. You know, we have a song, oh, if I had a thousand tongues or 10,000 tongues, I couldn't say I love you enough, but that shouldn't stop me from saying it today. I love you, Lord, with one tongue. Huh? Go ahead, next slide. You remember when Solomon made an end of praying this wonderful prayer and he offered all those sacrifices. The Bible says that immediately he... The presence of God hovered down. What are you saying? When you offer a sacrifice of praise, you actually bring God near. When it doesn't feel like, you don't feel like saying, I love you, Jesus. When you don't feel like saying, Lord, I want to just take and say a prayer. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm so angry I could bite a nail in two. God, why don't you help me? <laughs> I don't know if that's praising God as much as that's giving God a little bit of a tongue lasher. Why did you do this, God? Oh, man. But when I begin to let the praises roll from the bottom of my heart, when I'm in the midst of a problem or a trial, there's something about a peace of God that, huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, God. They worshiped. They praise. What did they talk about? For he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, how Lord, I love you. In fact, and I, I'm going to close. I know that we, I'm standing between you and noodles, and I don't want to. I got more slides. I'll finish them tonight. Noodles and mash is coming, but. I, I, people have long thought you can fake God out and you can't. You can sit here and you can do the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, whatever. But is it flowing from the, my innermost being? Have I put him number one on the throne? Do I really want to listen to him? Am I really tuned into him? 
The Old Testament tells a story, <laughs> next slide, about a, a man, Moab, <laughs> Balak was his name, Moab king, and he saw the children of Israel, and he thought he could hire a priest to offer sacrifices to curse Israel. And you read the story, 22nd chapter, 23rd chapter, 24th chapter of the book of Numbers. And it's a powerful story. It almost writes like a fairy tale. There's a lovely story about a talking donkey and arguing with a talking donkey and just things that you go, that's just nuts. But anyway, you, you can read it. It's kind of fun. The idea was... They were two con artists, if you will, Balaam and Balak. And Balak came to Balaam and said, would you curse Israel? And Balak said, well, I, I couldn't do that even if you gave me a house of gold or a room full of gold and silver. And so Balak said, well, what if I give you a room full of gold and silver? He goes, well, now, now we can talk about what I can do. Remember, calls him up and he says, go up and you got the formula. The formula is seven rams, seven oxen, seven altars and offer them because their God likes seven. And he gets up on a hill, offers a sacrifice. He starts to curse God and do you know this is kind of what's almost mind-boggling. The Lord speaks through Balaam. A guy that was up to no good, God spoke through him. And instead of cursing Israel, he starts blessing them. And Balak thinks, I know you were just looking at a few of them. You know, it, it would be hard for me to find something that these five people have done wrong. And that's where he first had them, was just looking at a little bit of them. And so Balak said, but if you come up here and look, surely you can find something in all this group. I, 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 I bet somebody in here has done something worthy of God pointing his finger and saying, why did you do it this week? And all of them, now especially, you know, maybe a million people. Maybe somebody may not be able to get these three, but, huh? Read the story. So he brings him up to this high place and he says, now curse him. And they do the seven rams and the seven lambs. And he's looking out over all of Israel. And do you know God speaks through him again? And he blesses them. The 27th verse, Balak said unto Balaam, I got an idea. Let me bring you to another place. Because maybe... You were up too high and the air was thin and when you get up high, God won't let you. So he brought him down into the valley 
and you read it over and over and over. The words that Balak uses are, peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. Balak repeatedly says, surely God can find something wrong with them. When he gets all through, here's what Balaam answered. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to what? Bless Israel. He finally said, I'm sorry, I've done everything I can. I cannot curse them. You know why? Because I want to tell you something. The enemy has no power to defeat us. The enemy has no power to curse a child of God. I, I, the Lord may spank me. The Lord may discipline me. The Lord may, you know, convict me, make me want to repent but he's not going to turn the devil loose. Oh, I understand he let the enemy, you know, do a lot to Job, but he always said, there's so long far, and that's as far as you get to go. Why? Because I know these are my kids, and I won't let anybody have more control over them than I have, and I will make a way where there is no way. That's why I want to please God. He is looking out for me 24-7. How could I not want to please him? How could I not want to please him? He is better to me than I am to him. How could I not say, Lord, I want to please you the sacrifice of praise. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Oh, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you come. We'll talk about it. We'll get you ready. If you need the Holy Ghost, come. You can receive the Holy Ghost. I want you to know you can be a child of the King if you want to come and just take a moment and praise Him. The fruit of your mouth, giving praise to God. If there was ever a time we need to say, Lord, I want to praise you. I want to bless you. I want to please you, God. It ought to be now. Will you come? The altar is open.